And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Matt Watson. Hi, Matt. What's going on, man? I'm stuck in the middle with you, bro. I feel like there's a lot of songs we could sing right now about being in the middle. Like literally stuck in the middle with you. Yeah, that's one of them. I don't. Even, who does sing that? You know, I should. I feel like my set list should include that. But yeah, I mean, yeah, stuck in the middle. And you know, you know, Matt, a lot of entrepreneurs and startups and businesses in general get stuck in the middle. And I've even referred to them as middling. And that's what we're going to talk about today, sir. Yeah, I, I feel like I was there. So I've been there. I have those scars. Uh, and plenty to talk about. I've I, the same here, uh, Matt. Would you like to do our? Would you like to mention who's sponsoring today's episode? I want to keep growing your skills so you're not stuck in the middle here on the podcast. Absolutely. Today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by ChatDesk. Does your business receive a high volume of phone calls? You can deflect over ten percent of your calls to Facebook Messenger and save up to eighty percent on your support costs for Startup Hustle listeners. ChatDesk is offering their call deflection service for free throughout the holiday season. Learn more at chatdesk.com slash shift or clink, click the link in the show notes, chatdesk.com slash shift. And by the way, I was using my Android phone the other day. I made a phone call and it was it offered to uh, do a chat instead. And I was like very happy. So thank you, ChatDesk, for enabling this uh, wonderful innovation. You know, Matt, you are no longer stuck in the middle. Congratulations. You have, uh, you're now, a, we're going to change your title to brand ambassador. Okay. Brand ambassador of chat desk relations. So there you go. Um, so, you know, as we mentioned, and thanks again, do I have to say chatdesk.com forward slash shift, chatdesk.com forward slash shift, chatdesk.com forward slash shift. If you've been keeping up, we've been trying, I did it three times fast enough. That's there, pretty right? good. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, I'm going to keep practicing if we're going to switch roles. Now, Matt, you know, you mentioned the being stuck in the middle thing. I mean, this is real. It's real. So when you think about getting stuck in the middle of the business, I mean, what does that mean? Well, usually when it relates to a tech company, it has to do with product market fit. And what commonly happens, and, you know, I can, I can be guilty of this. I'm sure you're guilty of this. We, we have some grand vision of building some software product and we build it and we think it's cool and we like it and we find three of our friends that like it enough to try it and use it, but then nobody else really cares about it. And, um, you just struggle to get market-wide adoption and it's just, the product doesn't just quite have product market fit. And, um, it's, it's a fun topic to talk about. I think you can be stuck in the middle, even if you do have a good product product market fit. There's a lot of different reasons for it, you know. And I and I didn't write this. That our production team here at Startup Hustle uh, literally has a note here: uh, businesses that don't fail but don't scale. 
Yeah, I like that. I think that that's I think that that is a great explanation. But when I think of middling, I think of any business, and this could this isn't just tech companies, but businesses in general. So you look at you go through that early stage. You're not middling in year one and year two, and if you grow enough to stay in business, sometimes that's all you end up doing is just staying in business. And uh, for a lot of tech companies too, it becomes for for founders it becomes an increasingly challenging situation to address professionally and personally because you know typically as founders we often work for peanuts for a while. And then all of a sudden you get older and things change and you have a wife, you have kids, you have a house payment and stuff like that. And all of a sudden you're realizing you're not, the business isn't growing and providing for you the way you need it. At the same time, you don't want to throw it in the trash because you've got like five years in it, but you get stuck in the middle. So these businesses that aren't growing very quickly are almost impossible to get investors and funding for. Yeah. Which leaves them in the middle as well. So you're kind of like, shit, what do I do? And this is why you see people, well, tech companies, they'll either just trim everything down to a minimal level. And I call that cash cowing. They just kind of put the cash cow out to the pasture. They don't innovate anything new. They just kind of collect what it is, or they sometimes just shut them up, shut them down or sell them for pennies on the dollar. Yeah. And it's, it's a very frustrating, frustrating place to be. And, and you're right. Investors aren't interested in these companies because they don't have the growth rate. You know, if you're growing 5% a year, 10% a year, or just zero, like that's not very attractive. You know, these venture capitalists and stuff want to see 40, 50% plus a year. And of course they love to see even more, but, um, if you're just don't learning about your, tw- your 12% growth year over yeah, year. Yeah. This is not very exciting to them to get their money back. Yeah. Unless that 12% is on a huge number, um, it's not going to be. Yeah, it'd be very exciting. So when you talk, you know, you mentioned product market fit, which is the degree to which a product satisfies a strong market demand. What about premature scaling? I mean, do you think that sometimes this occurs because companies are trying to scale before they're ready and then they blow through their capital and now they're like, "Uh oh, yeah, that happens a lot for sure in a, in a tech company where you, you almost over-engineer the product in some some way, right? Like we spend all our time mm. trying to perfect this one part of the product. But if you would have taken time to go talk to the customers, they might not even care about that pro- part of the product. Or that was money you could have spent on marketing or on sales or or something else. But you're putting all of your time and effort into you know the product or certain type of product. I always refer to it as like being the, the mad scientist in the laboratory, right? Just continuing to... Uh, build and, and tinker, but, you know, not getting out to market and finding out what the, what the, you know, the market really wants and trying to sell. We've something. also compared, yeah. And we've also compared that to this, that we have that kind of fable we tell of the shopkeeper that's so obsessed yeah. with keeping the store clean that he forgets to open the door. And I mean, that can happen a lot too. Now we mentioned uh, premature scaling. So according to the startup genome project, premature scaling happens when entrepreneurs start focusing on one dimension of the business and advancing it out of sync with the rest of the operation. Yeah. So, and that, so that could be overbuilding a product. It could also be underbuilding a product and then you blow through all your money trying to get people to use it. And you're like, oh, wow. Okay. So we didn't adapt, pivot, change, move forward or listen to what people said. You know, yeah, it happens I mean, a lot. What, 
What are some other things you think are that will contribute or lead you to the metal? I think a lot of it is product market fit for a tech company. You know, I was, um, I had lunch with, uh, some people, you know, uh, I won't mention their name yesterday and they were, we were having this same sort of conversation. It's like, you know, why do people buy your product? How are you different than your competitors? Right. And they're like, well, we, we do best with enterprise accounts that have, you know, 10 or more users, but we're thinking about spinning, spinning off like a, a light version of our product that's designed for one or two users. And they, you know, part of the problem you have as a tech company is you want to try and do everything and you want to try and own, you know, the whole market, right? Um, but that's usually what kills companies. It's like, look, if enterprise business is your forte, go focus on that. Forget the rest of the shit. Instead of trying to spend a bunch of time also trying to chase the customers that want to spend $20 a month, but could use Excel instead of buying your product, right? Like that's not, that's not the place to be. Go chase these big enterprise accounts if that's where you're having success. But more often than not, companies struggle with focusing on a particular niche or a particular, you know, persona or audience. They, they just try and solve every problem for everyone, which means they usually solve no problem for anybody. No, I agree. I agree. I think there's a lot of stuff that get you caught in the middle. I think some of the things that we mentioned are definitely, you know, there. Um, I mean, you, know, you see a lot of companies in tech, they get some early funding and then they just don't really meet up to the expectations of what they, of what they've done. So like if someone gives you $2 million and you don't do shit with it, it's hard to get someone else to give you 2 million more. Yeah. And you know, you hear, you hear the term down round, which in, in the world of tech is like not a tag you usually want on you, but that's when you raise money at one valuation. And then the next round you're raising it at a lower valuation. Um, these are some of the signal flares that'll, that'll come up, uh, that, that might suggest you're heading to the middle. Now, you know, and now in some places, the middle isn't the end of the world. You know, you can maybe survive and live in the middle. Do you think you can live long-term in the middle or is it kind of like you have, you're eventually going to die on the vine? I think there's a lot of companies that do. They get to a certain size that in some forms, it may also become just kind of a lifestyle business, right? It's like, oh, we have 10 employees and we're doing fine and we're just kind of plugging along. We're not really growing very quickly, but we're doing okay. And, and that may be okay. And depending on the type of product you have and the market you're in, that could be fine. Like you could permanently be there forever. But if you're in a, you know, a real high growth market, that's got a lot of competition and stuff like that, eventually you may just get steamrolled. Um, but I was talking to a friend of mine just the other day who has a business like 15 years old now, and he eventually kind of pivoted into a certain type of software product with it. He was helping um, hospitals manage their facilities. And it was like a real specific niche. And he was doing great in that, you know, little niche, just, you know, and it's like a real obscure thing that nobody would ever think to build software for. And just, you know, plugging along, right? And that's okay. Not, you know, not every business needs to raise millions of dollars and become a billion dollar business one day. And frankly, 99% of them won't. Right. And that's okay. So there's a few things that I think contribute to being stuck in the middle. When you talk about, um, you know, a business and its capital, especially, you know, one of the things is I see a lot of, I've talked to a lot of founders over the years that seem unable to make tough decisions, you know, like they realize they're, they're burning their capital quickly. 
that they have people that are underperforming compared to what they're being paid or what they could be replaced for. And they just don't want to make a tough decision. And it's kind of, it's the equivalent of like a boat out at sea. That's like, Hey, captain, uh, there's rocks and they're, they're a little out in the distance, but they're coming. And if we don't change course, we're going to hit them. And the captain just sits there and stares and stares and stares and just for whatever reason, doesn't feel like changing the course of things, um, which leads to hitting the rocks. I mean, do you, have you, I, I, you know, I don't want to say I've hit the rocks, but I think all of us that own or manage a business have had some part of it that fit that description. Well, and, and definitely in, in just specific, you know, aspects of the business, right? Like be it like, oh, marketing, like marketing is just not working. Like the strategy does not work. And we we're sitting here every week staring at it, knowing it's not working, like to your, to your point. And I think that that definitely happens at times to all of us uh, with different aspects. And you talking about the analogy of the boat, like I always think of that kind of analogy whenever you take venture capital, like I feel like you, they give you a bunch of money, they expect you to go spend it and grow fast. But then you like start racing towards those rocks in your boat like very quickly, because if you don't grow to a certain number, you're not going to be able to cover, you know, all the new employees you hired and all the stuff. And you're going to have to raise more money. But if you don't perform well, they're not going to give you more money. So you you are seriously speeding toward those rocks at a very quick rate. And, and that is crazy. I mean. I honestly you get, not. They, they want you, they want you to hurry up and build a ramp to jump over the rocks. Yeah, and it, and that's a really tough place to be because if you don't hit your numbers, you pretty much uh, have to jump off the boat or the boat crashes into the rocks. I mean, it, it's just a. And there's a lot of companies that have just totally died in those moments, right? Like the VCs put in a bunch of money, they didn't hit their numbers, and then the VCs are no longer interested, and the whole thing is just poisoned. Yeah, and and that's really problematic because. Um, it's, it, I, you know, you talk to folks in that situation and they're like, yeah, we raise money at this valuation. And you're kind of like, yeah, that isn't your valuation anymore. Um, so when you do get stuck in the middle, the longer you stay in the middle, the, the worse that part gets. I was talking to a, a friend and founder, oh, this is over probably about a year and a half ago, but I'll never forget it because his business actually had decent revenue, but it was still just basically still losing money at the point he needed more capital. Uh, went out and aggressively sought someone to try to acquire him and and literally got a less than one multiple Ouch. on the business. Like it was, I mean, it was like a 10th, like, you know, like a 0.1 kind of, you know, of revenue valuation. Cause here's the thing is you're not in a buyer, you're, 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 you're not in a seller's market at that point. You're in a buyer's market and you just don't have, you know, a, a, an auction with one bidder uh, doesn't last very long and it doesn't, and it doesn't go very high. It's a fire. So, sale. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I, I honestly, you've been hearing me say this for a while. I think that there is, oh, on some levels we're due for some corrective measures in the overall startup scene because there's so much money and capital flowing into things and there's so many people doing things that are similar and you know 20, 15 years ago it was a lot easier to be the first at doing something yeah and maybe run away with it now you're competing with i mean it's almost impossible to find some, it's almost possible to find something that someone isn't doing 
So, I, I mean, I think it's going to be real interesting to see what happens and how those those consolidate. Now, you know, one of the things you can do to help get yourself stuck, not stuck in the middle is be innovative and creative. And, you know, if you're looking to reduce the number of phone calls and voicemails that come into your business and lower your customer support costs, our friends over at Chatdesk enable you to shift your calls to messaging channels like Facebook Messenger. You can schedule a demo and check out the discount they're offering for Startup Hustle listeners by visiting the link in the show notes. You can also find a link to Chatdesk at the startuphustle.xyz site where there's a link. Uh, we have one on the fullscale.io site as well, uh, or just go to chatdesk.com. So, you know, some of the levels of innovation and, you know, you'd scale things down can reduce your cost and provide capital for you in areas where you might not need it. Now we're talking about tech companies and, and tech companies are, are very dependent on developers. Yeah. And sometimes that we talk about to people a lot about that at full scale, because we help our clients build offshore teams, which can save them a lot of money if they need if they need to or want to. And that's another example of like finding some innovative solutions. Like even recently, I know you did this at Stackify at one point, and we try to do it regularly at full scale is just sometimes just sit down and just have a kind of a, a come to Jesus meeting with yourself about when, how and when and how you spend your money. Yeah. You know, it's, and, and, it's and tough. like, I mean, dude, I just went through this the other day, just went through and, you know, we have 220 employees at full scale and, you know, it's just like goofy little shit starts to pile up like subscriptions that you want to use that you now don't or extra licenses for this or something for that. And next thing you know, you know, you're chopping a bunch of stuff out and you're like, wow, this is like, 500 bucks a month or a thousand bucks a month. Now that might not solve your problem of middling, but waste wasted capital and ineffective or inefficient, inefficient spending isn't helping it either. So, you know, you got to find a way to redirect. You have to either figure out how to sell more or spend less. I mean, that's really in the end, those are the binary type options for getting out of the middle. Well, and I mean, I, Honestly, of all my friends that I have, um, a huge percentage of them have kind of small to mid-sized companies that have never raised capital, and they're just right. they're just growing. And you know, there's nothing long nothing wrong with that. But I think true, what's wrong with it is when you're not growing at all, right? You're like you know, people we we struggle to sell our product. I mean, that's where you're really really stuck. You know, if you're growing and you're growing ten percent a year, twenty percent, and you're happy with it and all that stuff. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But if you're not growing at all, because you're like, oh, we built this thing, but I can't get anybody to buy it. That's where you're really, really in a lot of trouble. And you're talking about, we're talking about budget and spending money. Um, one of the biggest problems that startups have is not spending enough money on sales and marketing. You know, they'll, they'll like the, the guys I was meeting with yesterday, they, um, I don't know, they probably got 20, 20 something employees. Only one of them is in sales. Everybody else is basically an R&D and customer service. And they wonder why they're not growing, right? Like you've, you've got to invest a, a good percentage of your budget in sales and marketing if you're going to grow sales. <laughs> and I mean, that's a big problem with companies is they, especially tech companies, they invest all of the money in the product and not enough money in sales and marketing. Now, you can't have million dollar ambitions with minimum wage budgets, it usually doesn't work that way. And same thing hey, with I, work ethic. Now, but but that does work if you shop off the 
the dollar menu at McDonald's because I do look like a million dollars. My wife went to the dollar store today or the other day and spent $91. And I was like, that's kind of the antithesis of the dollar store, Jill. Um, (laughs) She was really excited. She was like, I got all this stuff. I saved all this money. I was like, no, you actually spent $91. So, uh, but that's the way you have to look at it. You know, it's like spending money is spending money regardless of how you do it. Now, uh, next thing I want to, I want to pivot to here, Matt, in our conversation is, you know, that some of the things that some of the parts of the entrepreneurial personality that have enabled businesses to get started, to grow enough to even have, Hey, the one thing that's worse than, well, I'm not even going to say it's worse. Sometimes going out of business, in my opinion, is better than being stuck in the middle. But the things that enabled you, some of the personality traits, the habits, the skills that make entrepreneurs successful mm-hmm. can also undermine their ability to grow and lead bigger organizations. You know, one of those is what I mentioned earlier, which is loyalty to certain people. And I'm not saying you shouldn't be loyal to your employees, but it's all but the employer employee relationship is a business relationship. And it has to yield some amount of return for the business. Otherwise, it's not a great fit. So, you know, that's like I mentioned, it's like, well, uh, Mark has been with us since the beginning. And he's definitely like one of our worst employees now, but he's been with us from the beginning. Now, if your company's growing like wildfire, that might not matter. But if you're stuck in the middle, you might have to take a good look at whether Mark is still a good fit and that that's a good way to spend your money. Well, I mean, this is a problem. Might be part of why you're in the middle. I I mean, this is a problem with companies of all sizes, right? I mean, when I was working at Netro, we had this issue. It's like, oh, we got this developer that's not very good, but nobody's willing to fire them, right? Um, And and that's okay in a bigger company because that person can sort of hide somewhere. Mm -hmm. But when you're a really small company, everybody's got to pull their weight. If you've only got one salesperson and they're not very good. It's a huge problem. When you've got 20 salespeople and one of them's not very good, you may not notice. Welcome to the corporate world. But in a startup, everybody's got to pull their weight or it drags everybody down. And you're absolutely right. One of the the worst problems is you hire one of your buddies to come work at your startup and they're terrible at what they do. uh, But now you're stuck with them and they're your buddy. So you don't want to fire them. Uh, And and that can be the death to a lot of companies. One of the things that, it really is. And if you're listening, like you, if you want to be a successful entrepreneur, you want to build a profitable company, you have to, you have to train yourself to make tough decisions and have tough conversations. And, you know, and that's, and no one likes doing either. You know, it's not like, you know, like you're sadistic if you wake up and you're like, well, you you see an occasional TV show or something where there's someone that's like, Hey man, how many heads can I chop off the budget today? Ha ha ha. But, you know, that's not really the way it looks and feels. You're, you're a little sadistic in that. You know, another thing, Matt, and we talked about this earlier, I'd like to expand on it, is that tunnel vision kind of feel. It's like you're just, okay, you're so obsessed with one part of the business that you ignore the rest of it. And for tech, that is almost always product. It's like we got to have one more feature, one more feature. And where does that end? And are you better to, you know, one of the things that I've really, you know, this podcast experience working with you and just a lot of different things have really enhanced the whole concept that if you're not, if you can't be a plus at 
one or two things, you have no business trying to be good at a bunch of other shit. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's like the whole concept of an MVP. Like if you're just, Hey, we've got, Hey Matt, I've got this great business and we do a bunch of stuff in a really average kind of way. We're not really good at anything. We're like average at all of it and maybe not even average at other stuff. Um, I'd like to sign you up for it. What do you think? Well, I think another a topic that's really appropriate here is you always hear the, the conversation of working on the business versus working in the business. Mm-hmm. And especially when you're very small, if you're if you're the the founder and you're, you know, CEO or whatever, but you spend all of your time like doing sales, then you don't spend any time looking at all the other aspects of the business, hiring people that you need to hire, raising capital, you know, doing doing a lot of different things you need to do that you're so busy working in the business that you don't have time to work on the business. Um, and that's one of the reasons you kind of get stuck in the middle, right? Is you're, you're, you've got that tunnel vision as we're talking about focused on one part of the business and you can't step back. And frankly, one of the biggest struggles, of a lot of companies is just hiring, just taking time to hire the right people and putting the effort into it so that you can grow. It's like, yeah, we need another salesperson, but I don't know anybody or whatever. So I just do all the phone calls. Well, no, go hire somebody. So you don't have to do that anymore. So the business can grow, do other things. I, I think a, an expansion on that is the denial that you'll hear from a lot of founders. That's like, no one can do this like I do it. Or it, I, it's just faster if I do it myself. You know, and that not training other people to take some of the things off your plate when it comes to working in the business. And then another part of that is just people in general. I don't care if you're an entrepreneur or a guy walking down the street that never had a dream of being an entrepreneur. Uh, people avoid doing things that they don't like. Yeah. And, you know, do. you mentioned raising capital, like episode two of now 700 plus on Startup Hustle. And thank you for all of the people that that have listened to all of them. And man, those, I, I apologize to some of those people for our earliest episodes now, <laughs> just so you know, but you know, episode two is titled getting funded sucks because it does. And people are, and so people avoid it. And if you, you know, your business is going to need capital, then you need to get started on that now. And that's the, and overall, like that's probably the most valuable thing you can do for your business as a founder on many days. Cause uh, the idea that, and especially if you're like, even if you even have the scent or possibility of middling, you're not going to, investors aren't beating your door down. Yeah. You know, they're not. So you got to go out there and you got to look for it. And, you know, that kind of leads in, let's lead it, like kind of lead this into some of the solutions. Cause you know, we talked about tunnel vision, tunnel vision, it, it, that what I just described is a bit of an effect on tunnel vision. Cause it's easier to have tunnel vision. We are like, Hey, I'll just forget about all the shit that I don't like to do. Now, when it comes to like solutions, I mean, dude, okay. Do you know someone in business that doesn't have self-discipline when it comes to the business? Well, like, I think we'll- we're strapped for cash, but if we just got that new bowling alley in our office, we would attract the talent that we really need. Well, I mean, but that, that self-discipline is tough, like, you know, and, and I can be guilty of this, right? Like I'd rather go write code and solve tech problems or whatever than spending time on raising capital or hiring people or whatever. And for me, it's, it's like, it takes that self-discipline to say, no, I've got to spend time on these other things, but it's really hard. It really is. Especially you mentioned earlier, it's things you don't want to do and we just procrastinate them all. 
you can you can head check yourself here on these on this stuff and you know i i try to just regularly just make take a minute and sit back and go okay what's the most valuable thing i can do for the business today tomorrow next week next month and you know inherently as a founder you're guaranteed to have to have to run around and put out fires and spin plates and do some different stuff um, you know, that's the, that's the nature of being a founder, but at the same time, it's like, you know, so much of what we're talking about here is about, okay, sales cures ales, man. I think we've established that. I think we, that's almost like a law and not a, a you have the law of gravity and then there's the law of sales cures ales because everything we're talking about today is cured by selling more. Yeah. So, you know, I, my wife gets mad at me sometimes because she says I'm too black and white. You don't consider the emotions. I'm like, dude, that's why I have the funnel. I'm down at the bottom. You're like, we're going to sell more or we're not. So if you're in the middle and you're not selling, you're not selling, making an effort to sell or spending time on it. I don't think you have the right to complain about being stuck in the middle. You lose the ability to bitch about middling. Yeah, for sure. Most people don't like trying to sell stuff, dude. No, they don't. I mean... I'm a salesperson at heart and you know that I know that, and that makes it easier for me to do it. But it also makes it easier for me to really see when people are like, I mean, I'll talk to people like, what are you doing to grow your sales? Like, well, we're, we're, we're building another feature in our platform. Okay. That's not the right answer. Cause is that, is that feature being built to help you to outreach and find more people and drive more users and whatever it could be, built to retain more users. And that I, that's the only time I'm buying that excuse. Sometimes you get products that really do sell themselves and they're very product driven, but that that's really rare. I, I dude, I think that's harder and harder to do. It's a really, really noisy world. There's a lot of competition out there for advertising for products for all of it. Like, you know, I was, I was, I saw a post on LinkedIn and it was, as someone that's written three books, I appreciated this because the, uh, you know, there was like the, uh, what is it? The art, the subtle art of not giving an F. And then there were like six other books that were basically the exact same thing an exact title. So it was like mimicry is not innovation, you know? So, you know, so some of that is you're going to fool yourselves with it. So, all right. So another thing, man, get some input, listen to and seek input from others. Nothing better than I having mentors. A, yeah. And dude, I, I, so I've kind of been on my soapbox about this lately because, you know, Matt, you get it. I get it. Our peers get it. People want your input and then they make it difficult for you to help them. Don't make it, don't make it difficult for me to help you. And I will probably fucking help you. Like it blows my mind how bad people are at this. Like if you want, and then another thing is if people are, are helping you, don't bitch about the way that they're helping you. Just accept it and take it under advisement. If you don't like it, I that's mean, fine. But if it's free, that's the, the price was appropriate in some yeah. cases, you know, so give you a right. <laughs> well, we have a money back guarantee on startup hustle. If you don't we like do. this episode, we'll give you your money back unless your chat desk. They, they're the only people of all of you that paid to associate with this episode. So I'd probably be careful with that. Chatdesk.com forward slash shift. Chatdesk.com forward slash shift. Chatdesk.com forward slash shift. Good Nailed job. It.
Good job. That was good. Wow. Yeah, that, yeah, was, that was good. good. I don't know if I could. I don't know if I could have done a fourth one. You're getting better. I felt the tongue really getting tied into knots, and my my mental, uh, my whole mentality shifted, Matt. And that's the next thing I want to talk about. How about shifting your outlook on your business? Like, what's the definition of insanity, Matt? Uh, doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. That is correct. That is correct. And if your business is driving you crazy, are you just defining insanity? Like you mentioned or, earlier, like, or it's just my sister. About, like, <laughs> you, <laughs> or it's my sister. She's insane. So, oh my God, maybe on, no, I don't know. For those of you that are unaware, Matt has three sisters named Stacy. So if I said which one and he said Stacy, that wouldn't have narrowed it down. No. And then there are other sisters too. So yeah, I yeah, have but lost we sisters. don't we don't want to get into that. We don't want to get into that. Most now, of them are insane. We, we talk about <laughs> yeah, but dude, so are so many people that own a fucking business, Matt. They like, are. I mean, dude, you mentioned earlier, you're like, so you're like, oh, the marketing's not working. The marketing's not working. Why is it going to work in the third week or the third month or the sixth month? Like test, 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 like force change, do something yeah. different. Like if it's not working, what do you have to lose by trying something different? Well, and I, and a lot of that is risk, right? They're like, well, I could hire a salesperson and I have the money to hire, you know, pay them for two or three months, but if they don't sell something, uh, I can't pay them anymore after three months. So, but at some point in time, you have to roll the dice, right? So on some levels, though, you can do the opposite because some companies have salespeople and sales forces that are ineffective. And what's better? Okay, you, we're talking about starting a tech company. If you are a pure software as a service company, you don't have salespeople to go out and do stuff like you don't need a salesperson in some points. You may need a marketing person that right. can drive people to your site, not someone that's going to be like, yeah, it's uh, 12 bucks a month. I mean, sometimes, I mean, can that could be the suck too? Like salespeople are expensive. And that's another thing too. If you're going down that route, you need to know that ahead. You usually get what you pay for. And if you're getting a bargain on that, that salesperson probably isn't going to last in your organization long because everybody's looking for the best salespeople. And that is a seller's market and not a buyer's market at that point. And yeah. And you are really expensive, I mean, by the way. Dude, especially in tech, especially in tech, man. Like I talk to people that sell at tech companies that sometimes make 300, 400 grand a year. And they're like, it's sales rep. I'm like, do you build anything? No. Do you have to find leads? No, not usually. What do you do? Oh, I sell to clients. Man, that sounds on, pretty easy. I sit on Zoom calls all day in my underwear. <sighs> I mean, pants are optional at most tech companies, especially with when it comes to Zoom. So, okay, how about a radically different approach? How about saying fuck it and just taking the risk and just seeing what happens? You're stuck in the middle. Do you want to live there? Because if you don't, you, you make radically different moves and changes or shut the thing down and put what you have left in your pocket. Take at some point risk. in time, yeah, you got to decide to hurry up and fail, right? So it's like like the guys yesterday, it's like, hey, you're, you're kind of stuck here. You're growing just a little bit and you're struggling. Like, you need to just go all in on the enterprise deal and figure out if it's going to work. And if it doesn't work, then it doesn't work and figure it out from there. But you just got to push push all your chips in one direction at some point in time. 
So this next solution, and I mentioned it earlier, I call it, I call it cash cowing. Now, look, this is, this is not a long-term solution, and I don't necessarily recommend it because it's not customer-centric, it's not client-centric. You do always have the option of just chopping your expenses to the absolute minimum possible, which in many cases may make you profitable and not stuck in the middle. Now, there is a price to this approach, which is innovation, client and customer service, general growth, but I mean, scaling back can often lever you into, I mean, in some cases, possibly a quite lucrative situation. Now I say cash cowing because that cow is going to sit in the field and it's going to give milk and it's going to give milk and it's eventually going to get older and give less milk and then it's going to die because you're not taking care of your clients. You're not looking for new ones, like unless there's something now, you know, if you had taken a proper marketing approach, like for example, like with evergreen marketing, I haven't, dude, we get new people that sign up for Gigabook every day from blog articles we wrote five years ago. You know, so some of that you can justify it. But I mean, Matt, have you ever, what are your thoughts on the on the cash cow out in the pasture? Well, we, we used to joke about this in my Venn Solutions days about worst case scenario too. It's like, okay, we're doing yep. two or $3 million a year, uh, a month, two or $3 million a month in revenue. It's like, well, Worst case scenario, we fire everybody and like five of us run the business and we make a million dollars a month in profit, right? Like that was worst case scenario and not where we wanted to be, but it was absolutely what you just described, right? And honestly, it's what a lot of private equity people and stuff do when they acquire your business. They just, they strip it down and, and, um, try and make, you know, high EBITDA margins and just take the profit out of it and just let it run. And honestly, a lot of businesses just continue to run, especially if they're SaaS based businesses and you got people that have signed up, they get it all configured. They're happy with the product. They just keep using it. How forever. sticky is your product, right? But that's you why from SaaS a, you, companies are so yep. valuable too. Yep. That's exactly Because here's the thing is, is that cash cow, if it's going to give milk and doesn't need a lot of oats and stuff, you know, it's, it's, it is what it is. And, and you do see that happen a lot. And, you know, that's like kind of you talking about stripping things down. So it's the sum, it's the sum of all the value of all the parts more than what they are as a, you know, as a whole. And that, I mean, that can happen. You see that actually happen with massive companies too. I mean, the, it's a little more difficult now because of the accessibility to info data and whatever. But, you know, at one point my mom worked for uh, TWA airlines uh, which Carl Icahn, who's still a very well-known investor and sometimes an activist investor, uh, purchased TWA and and in a hostile takeover and just sold it off for parts because he made a shit ton of money doing it. Now there was a price that came to that because like my mom, who worked for that company for twenty freaking years, lost her pension, her retirement, and all of it. But that's an example of the parts being worth more than the sum. So now what is worth a lot more than what you're going to, than what you're going to spend is first off the knowledge of knowing that today's episode of startup hustle is brought to you by chat desk. They help you reduce the number of phone calls coming into your business by over 10% by shifting calls over to Facebook messenger and other channels. You can get started in just a few minutes and the service is free for a limited time. You can check it out at chatdesk.com forward slash shift. That's once again, chatdesk.com. There's a link in the show notes. You can find them on our sponsor section at startuphustle.xyz, which is also where you can go 
If you think you'd be a good guest for the show or you want to recommend someone for the show, that's at startuphustle.xyz. Now, Matt, we're here we are at the end of our time together. We're no longer stuck in the middle because I have found so many solutions from today's episode to lever us forward. Um, thank you for reading that first, uh, that ad read. That was a radically different shift in our mentality of how we approach the show. But I mean, what, from today's episode, I mean, what really sticks out? Well, you know, I want to focus on the product market fit. I think that's one of the biggest struggles for tech companies. And, and I've mentioned this before. There's also a book called Crossing the Chasm um, by Jeffrey Moore that you can check out that is kind of about this topic. Um, a lot of times companies get started and they will sell their product to early adopters, right? But they really struggle to get the larger market to buy the product. Like they, you know, whatever it is, like you may have like, oh, like say you're selling something to car dealers, right? It's like, well, the really super techie car dealers really love what we're doing, but all the other 90% that, you know, are a little more old school, they're not into this. Like it's just not their thing. And that happens a lot with whatever kind of product you're building where there's like a, a, a very small percentage that may really like what you do and it really fits their need, but it doesn't solve the needs of the greater market that everybody is looking for. And sometimes maybe you're you're in a brand new market and maybe the rest of the world hasn't realized that they need the product yet, which is equally as bad. Um, but that whole product market fit of it, a lot of times is the death to companies is just not, you know, sometimes you're too early to market, you're too late to market, or you're not funded well enough to get to market and your competitors beat you to the broader market. But a lot of times it's, you're just trying to do too many things for too many people. And you're, you haven't honed in on a niche enough yet to really focus on that um, specific audience and really build a really superior product for them. Um, so I, I definitely recommend that book if that's something that you're struggling with. Well said, sir. Well said. You know, so Matt, as I close out today's episode, so recently I went to a Halloween party and it was the most elaborate Halloween party that I'd ever been to. I mean, it had, I mean, every floor, the yard, all of it was all set up. And I was talking to the, 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 the husband of the husband and wife team that lived there. And he was telling me, he was like, you know, she's just been stressed about this. I was like, how much of this did you do? He's like, well, I did whatever I was told. And I was like, was she stressed out? And it's like, yeah, she wouldn't quit stressing about it. I said, how do you handle that? And he goes, I just said, you know, do less, do less, two words, do less. And, you know, I, I keep thinking about that, do less. Um, I think a lot of businesses try to do too much. Like, what are you good at? Do less, focus on it. And then probably if you really, you know, to try to figure out what you need to do less, you have to really kind of be honest with yourself about what you're spending time on. And you can't, you can't, you can't lie to yourself. Self-deception is terrible as an entrepreneur. And you know, that's part of that self-discipline and it's part, you know, so I define self-discipline as doing the things that you need to do at the times that you want to do them the least. And, you know, that's the thing is just, you know, you're like, Hey, we need to sell more. And you're like, Hey, so I'll spend tomorrow working on sales. Now you need to spend tomorrow and every other day working on sales until sales is not your problem. Cause if sales is your problem, you better get comfortable in the middle or get ready to have the middle be what you want to get back to because businesses need revenue and nothing happens until you make a sale. 
So I don't ever, <laughs> there's someone out there that has the problem that they're selling too much, but I haven't been able to find them. You know, like, I mean, and they're like, that's a good problem. Like we kind of have that problem at full scale on some days, but that's not a problem I'm willing to live with. So why, if we're selling too much, what do we need to do to meet the demand? And, you know, like, so there's a lot of different things, but really in the end, it's all centric around revenue. You're stuck in the fricking metal because you haven't done a good enough job selling stuff. That could be product market fit. It could be something, but in the end, you have two ways to go. You have to sell more or spend less. It's a really being profitable at a, at a business is, in my opinion, hinges on one of those two things occurring. Yeah. You're going to sell more, you're going to spend less and, and they can have an equal effect. Absolutely. Because if you can't raise your sales, you can, you can lower your expenses somewhere, somehow. It may not be fun, then, but you can do you it. Know, I think, and then I think the last thing is still with those tough decisions is, you know, like if you don't think that there's a way to get out of the middle, you got to look for something different because these problems usually just don't self-correct. It's not really the way that it works. So, yeah. You talk about selling too much. You know, the, the there's one whole industry right now that has that problem. It's the car manufacturers. Cars? Yeah. They can't they can't make cars fast enough no matter what they do. It's insane right now buying cars. I mean, what a what a opposite effect, you know, like I mean, prior to the pandemic and when the pandemic hit, I remember there was like news like at one point, like all the car dealers and the car rental places like were like rented the lot at Arrowhead Stadium. So they had a place to store their surplus. And now, man, how's that looking? Like now, I'll tell you what, though, you talk about making changes and getting outside of the model. So how many of those car dealers reduced their sales force? Yeah, mm-hmm. they had to. We saw that, you know, I have a history in the ticket business and I know you do too. Like a great example is you remember when LeBron James and Chris Bosh and, and, and D Wade all signed with the Heat yeah. and they were like, you know, the, the big three and whatever. The next day, they sold out on three-year contracts for season tickets. Like there was zero availability for the Miami Heat for three full years. The next day, the Heat fired all their salespeople. Don't need what they need them for. Yeah, right. So, but but that's the thing. It's like that that feels foreign and like a fundamental shift, but it is a radical change. And you say, well, could that be risky? We can talk about it in two and a half years and figure out a solution. So. You know, it is what it is. And and it's very difficult to change reality. People have different views of it and whatever. But really, in the end, I mean, I'm going back to the fact that sell more, spend less, maybe do less. I'm going to do less right now by ending this show, Matt. I'll All see right. you next week. See ya. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.